How are you doing this morning? Doing okay? Awake and alive? And, man. Um, if you're brand new to our church, if it's your first time here, I just want to say welcome home. My name is Glenn Wolf, one of the pastors here. And before we're seated, I wanted to sing this song one more time and just encourage you this morning. I want you to know I woke up extra early today praying for you and, and praying specifically that God would heal you today. And you say, maybe I don't need healing in my body. That's, that's fine. But whoever does, I want to pray for you today. And 
maybe it's healing emotionally, whatever. We serve a God that cares about every single thing we possibly could go through today. And so I want you to know no matter what it is, Jesus loves you. He cares about you. And that's, that's, that's who we believe in. That's who we pray to. That's who, we're, that's who I'm about to pray to. That's who we've been worshiping is Jesus. And he's overcome anything that we possibly could overcome. In fact, today he's not sitting in a grave. He's alive today. Amen. Because he's conquered everything that could be conquered. And so... Um, so that means no matter what type of situation we might be going through, uh, we're not done yet because God is not done yet. And, and we is, he is not finished with us. And so we can have an opportunity to step out of faith and believe. And so I want to do that with you today. If you're here, you just say, Pastor Glenn, would you pray for me in this moment? I just, yeah, I need God to heal me in some form or some fashion. It doesn't make a difference what it is. But if that's you, would you just lift your hand? Nobody around Just, Just, you know, you're right there. I, I want to pray for you. Father, I lift up in the name of Jesus. I lift up every single person. God, with their hand lifted. And Lord, we just declare healing to flow this into this room this morning. God, we pray for cancer to leave in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for marriages to be strengthened this morning in the name of Jesus. God, for those that are in transition of jobs and those that are in transition of seasons in life, God, we pray your grace and your mercy, God, to fill them. God, I pray for those that may be walking in with doubt, walking in with fear. God, I pray that you would fill them with faith this morning. And Lord, we declare that sickness cannot go anywhere. It has to be defeated because of Jesus. And Lord, we worship you for that. We declare your blessing and your favor to fill every single life, every family, every individual in the name of Jesus. Now, can we sing this one more time this morning? Come on, let's lift it up to God. Come on. Here we go. time to give Jesus just a huge shout of praise. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Hey, listen, before you're seated, would you get outside your aisle and say hello to a couple people? Would you do that? Let's go ahead. Let's say hello to a couple friends.
Well, good morning, first service. Welcome everybody this morning to City Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Can we give all of our first-time guests a warm City Church welcome? Let's just welcome our first-time guests here this morning. If you, if you are here for the very first time, my name is Miranda, and I just want to say welcome to City Church. Welcome to First Service. We have a gift for you. Our ushers are making their way forward with these orange welcome brochures. And if you are here for the first time, you are our VIPs. You're very important. Go ahead and raise your hand in the air. We have a gift for you just for being here for the first time. And our ushers, we have a couple in the room. Let's give our first time guests one more round of applause this morning. Thank you guys so much for being here. And you can fill out, you can fill out that orange card inside of the welcome brochure and get a gift right outside at the Welcome Center after service. And if you are here for the second or third time, or you are a member of our church, there's a blue connection card in the seat pocket in front of you. It looks just like that. And you can fill that out and turn it in at the end of service as the offering buckets pass and fill it out as you watch this video. Thank you. Welcome to City Church. We're glad you're here. Welcome to City Church. We're glad you're here. Welcome to City Church. We're glad you're here. Hi, I'm Joe Rivera. Welcome to Orlando City Church. I'll be your tour guide today. Follow me as we go through the next steps. Join us again this Wednesday night and make some new friends. We have something for every age group, from nursery to adults, and it all starts at 7 p.m. Royal Rangers and Impact Girls for the Kids, Wide Open Youth for Middle and High School Students, and Small Groups in the Round for us adults. For adult small groups, we're continuing the story discussion, and we have something new. The church has left the building, and we're going to bring God's love to the city. Each team will come up with an outreach idea and take it to the streets. Then we'll celebrate with a night of victory and storytelling. Let's get out of these four walls and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Join us Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Go ahead and help yourself to some refreshments located just outside. And in case you need them, the restrooms are located behind the sanctuary and wheelchair accessible restrooms are located at the entrance of City Kids Church. If you have questions, we have answers. You can check your bulletin or find someone with a City Church name tag. They would be happy to help. Now, if you want to know more about our events and our academy, visit us at orlandocitychurch.com. And be sure to check in on Facebook because it's a great day at City Church, and we're glad you're here. King Solomon's reign over Israel, God told a man named Jeroboam that he would become king over all but one of the tribes of Israel. But Solomon wasn't ready to give up the throne, so he tried to kill Jeroboam, who escaped and fled to Egypt. A short while later, Solomon died, and his son Rehoboam was named king. The people were unhappy with the heavy taxes placed on them and went to complain along with their spokesperson, Jeroboam. Despite their complaints, the king refused to listen. Furious, most of Israel made Jeroboam their leader and lived in the northern territory called Israel, where Rehoboam ruled over the southern tribe called Judah. After being a united country for many years, Israel was now split in two. The new king of the Northern Territory, Jeroboam, was worried that when his people returned to the South in order to worship at the temple in Jerusalem, they might be persuaded to become loyal to Rehoboam instead of him. So he devised a plan. 
He constructed two golden calves and told his people that they were the gods that helped them escape from Egypt many years earlier. Then he had a huge festival to worship these gods, and unbelievably, the Israelites went along with it. Then one day, Jeroboam was at one of the altars making a sacrifice. When a man who followed God approached Jeroboam and warned him that his kingdom would soon be ruined. Jeroboam stretched out his arm and shouted, Seize him! As he did, his hand shriveled up. Terrified, Jeroboam pleaded with the man to pray for him. So the man prayed for Jeroboam's hand and it was healed. Even after this display of God's power, Jeroboam still led the people to worship other gods. For years, Jeroboam and Rehoboam were at war. When Rehoboam died, his son and then grandson took over as kings of Judah. His son worshipped other gods, just like his father. But Rehoboam's grandson, Asa, was different. Asa got rid of the idols and was fully committed to following God. The northern kingdom of Israel continued to be led by a series of wicked men, none of whom followed God. One of these kings was Ahab, who did more evil in the eyes of God than any king before him. Perhaps worst of all, Ahab married Jezebel, a woman from a foreign country who convinced him and almost all of Israel to worship a foreign god named Baal. Because of this, God would need to send a messenger to set things straight. Good morning, the messenger. Uh, this morning I am the messenger. My name is Eugene Smith, if you're here for the very first time. And I just want to welcome you to the story. Week 15, we're halfway through our journey. Come on, give God a big hand. We've been on a journey for 15 weeks. We have 16 more weeks to go. We are using this book called The Story. And uh, Max Licato and Randy Frazee are the author of this. They've actually compiled the Bible down into 31 chapters. And we're taking a week. We're basically taking about you know, 100, 200 years of history every single week as we journey through the Scriptures. And I am so encouraged that you're here today. Hey, you know, uh, how many of you ever see a warning sign or some kind of sign that just doesn't make sense? Anybody ever see a sign like that? Okay. Um, you know, this week we were in D.C. We got to celebrate the 4th of July in Washington, D.C. Now, there is no better place to be on the 4th, come on, than Washington, D.C. Amen? Now, we were all primed. We had, you know, had a great day. Actually, it was one of the funnest days I can remember having in a long time. They have these new little bikes that they have there in the D.C. area that's called Capital Bike. And uh, you rent the bikes. They're $7 a day. You put your credit card in, and they hold $101. They hold 100 for a whole week. But you get to ride the bike. And if you turn it back in, they give you the $101 back. And it costs you $7, basically, to ride the bike for the day. And so we rode these bikes all over Capitol Hill, and we had a blast. We went down to the monuments, and we went up the hill, down the hill, side, across the mall. And it was just it was an awesome day. There was all kinds of people and activities and things taking place. And actually, D.C. on the 4th is a very secure place. There are more police officers per square inch than any place on the planet. 
I mean, and they all got their guns, and they're ready. They're loaded for bear, and everybody gets screened, and you don't get into the zone without going through some kind of search procedure. So we had a great day. But the funnest thing about the day is that we got to ride our bikes down Constitution Avenue, which you know is one of the main streets along the mall, if you've been to D.C., and Independence Avenue, which is on the other side of the mall. We got to ride those streets with no signs. There were no cars. They were completely closed off to traffic. And we were free as free can be. We got to run through stoplights. We got to run over people. No, we just, we had a great time. I mean, there was no signs. And you could just ride to your heart's content up and down the roads. And I mean, I thought, this is incredible. I am on, if you've ever been to D.C., how many have never been to D.C. before? Okay. Wow. You got to go to D.C. Come on. It's a found. It's where your heart will get warm. You'll, you'll have a whole new appreciation for the greatness of our country. When you go there, but man, Constitution Avenue—it's like the main road. It goes all the monuments connect to it: the Capitol, the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Monument, the Washington White House is just a block over. I mean, it's one of the main roads through there. And we were riding, and uh, so we had a great day. And so we were going to go back to our hotel, and we were going to watch fireworks that night. Well, something happened. We got talking, and and uh, we decided to get a little food before we watched uh, the. Uh, fireworks, and we went into this kebab palace. Anybody ever been to a kebab palace before? This is my son's doing. He looked it up on Zagat. It was a Zagat-rated restaurant, so it has to be good, right? <laughs> and so we go into this kebab palace, and I walk in, and it's, it's an Afghanistan restaurant. And all over this restaurant, there are signs. I mean, there are signs. We support our troops. God bless America. I mean, all over, all over this restaurant, there are signs like that. And it got me thinking about signs, about warning signs. Uh, today's message is entitled, God's Messengers. And we're going to look at one primary messenger. But if you read, if you are reading, I would encourage you, you can just start at chapter 15. We'll be in chapter 16 next week. And, but I would encourage you, this is just a great way to read through the Bible. It's the New International Version. There are some, you know, duplicate areas, especially the areas that we're going to be talking about today that have been condensed. But it is an awesome way for you to get the big picture on Scripture. And Elijah was one of the main prophets. He was one of the main guys. But in our story, there's also the prophet Hosea and the prophet Amos. If I was thinking about the signs, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I've come across, actually this week in my son, I ran across a couple of signs I thought I'd just show they were kind of humorous. Uh, hopefully you'll get the humor in them as much as, as we thought they were funny. But uh, someone actually produced a sign. This sign is actually is a sticker on almost every chainsaw that's sold in America. Do not hold the wrong end of a chainsaw. Okay. All right, let's look. That's not too funny. I thought that was funny. Can you guys see this one here? It got some pointed, and it says, do not set on fence. Anybody want to try that one? <laughs> I like this one. This is one of my favorite ones here. Caution, this sign has extremely sharp edges. Do not touch the edges of this sign. Then on the bottom it says, also, oh, hang on, hang on. Also, the bridge is out. Exit immediately. <laughs> uh, how about this one? Touching wires causes instant death. $200 fine. <laughs> All right. I think I got another one here. All right, this, this was my favorite warning. All unattended children will be given a double espresso and a free puppy. 
We were walking, and we did a lot of walking, saw a lot of museums this week. And one of the museums that we went to was the Holocaust Museum. The Holocaust Museum, I've been there several times now, and it's, it's hard to explain. It's hard to express the feelings, the emotions when you walk through a place like that. It, it's stunning. It's hard to imagine how that could have happened in our generation. I mean, one generation removed. I, I told Pastor Glenn, I said, we're just at the other different stages, kind of doing the same trail as far as ministry and life. But, but I remember as a boy, lots of World War II vets, lots and lots of World War II vets. My grandfather was a World War II vet, was in the Navy. And it's hard for me to imagine that this happened almost in my life, that my parents were born in the war. And when you walk through this museum, you're just stunned. There's a silence as you walk through it. And there's a sign. There is a sign, and it's as you're moving towards the end of the museum, there's a sign. I want you to read it. This sign says, it says, all that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. All that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. God always, God always has his best in store for his people. God loves his people. God wants to bless his people. But in every generation, every generation, there is a challenge. The challenge is for the people of God to stand up and to live counterculture to the evil and the wickedness of their generation. This morning, we're going to read several select verses from 1 Kings chapter 18. You know, there are certain people in the Bible, when you mention their names, stories just, you know, the story of this person just comes up. You know, you mention Samson and you think of Delilah. Come on. All right. <laughs> Noah and the flood. Okay, Ark. I'll take Ark. That's... That was a $50 question. All right. Adam and? All right. David and? All right. So certain stories in the Bible. When you mention Elijah, I, Elijah, I mean, historians and biblical scholars consider him probably to be the most profound and the most prophetic. In other words, the most, the, the most declaring of what God is saying to their generation of any of the prophets in the Old Testament. He's an amazing character. And the story that we're going to look at is Elijah confronting the people, confronting the people, and their idolatrous worship of Baal. You have your Bibles? I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to begin with verse number 1, and then we're going to skip right over to verse number 16, so you can get the background of the story. And like we do here at City Church, I'd like to have you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. 1 Kings chapter 18, we're going to begin with verse number 1. And the Bible says, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Everyone say, word of the Lord. This wasn't an opinion. This wasn't a good thought. This wasn't just somebody talking to him about what's wrong with his generation. The word of God. Elijah had a relationship with God. Elijah knew the voice of God. And the Bible says, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain to the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. That's the beginning of our story. Elijah had prayed that it would not rain for three and a half years, and it had not rained. And now the Lord is telling Elijah to go and to confront this king, this wicked king named Ahab. Verse number 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. 
And when he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Israel. This whole concept, trouble of Israel, in the Hebrew, literally means you snake in the grass. Here is the wicked king calling the man of God a snake in the grass. Why would he do that? Why would a generation call evil good and good evil? This is not new. It's been going on for thousands of years. Verse number 18, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's command and followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. The prophets of Asherah, basically Baal's sister was Asherah, and they also had prophets that, that worshipped and served them, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. And Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. With the shortness of our time, I'm going to stop the reading of our scripture there. But I want you to get this one big idea. I want you to hear this big idea this morning. God loves us despite our rebellion and calls us to turn back to him so that he can bless us. God loves us despite our rebellion and calls us to turn back to him so that he can bless us. Our prayer this morning, our pastoral prayer time, we're going to be praying for one church uh, located right here not too far from us in Longwood. The one church, uh, Pastors Ron and Sandy Johnson, they're great friends of ours. We love them. We're so grateful for Markham Woods and what God is doing through one church. And we're going to pray for them as we pray this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for the word of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that it's not my opinion, not my word, but it's your word that changes, changes the heart, changes my heart. Thank you for what you are doing in our midst today. Thank you for the time that we've had to express our worship in song. Now I pray, Lord, that our worship to you in word would, would be glorious to you, would be exalting to you, would, would declare exactly what you want for this church, for this hour, and for this day. God, I need your grace. I need your strength. I can't do this on my own today. God, give your people spiritual ears to hear. Lord, I thank you for Ron and Sandy Johnson and the great work that they are doing at Ron one church in the multiple locations that they've started. And God, thank you for his leadership in our community and the man of God that he is and the great example to the people of God. Lord, we bless Ron and Sandy. We pray that you'll bring increase and you'll bring souls and many people into the kingdom of heaven because of this ministry. We thank you that we can partner with other like-minded churches to proclaim the good news of Jesus in our generation. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever gotten a phone call? Hear my cell phone real quick. I meant to bring that up here. How many of you ever gotten a phone call on your cell phone and you looked at it and you had maybe like 30 seconds you could take a call, but if you took the call, you know that it wouldn't be a 30-second phone call. And so now we've got this new little wonderful thing on our, on our cell phones that when the call comes through, you can slide up your screen and says, I'm busy or I'm in a meeting, I'll call you back. Anybody ever had that tension in their life before beside me? All right, okay. Well, I get that tension quite often. I, I have a lot going on. I get a phone call, and I have to make a decision. Do I just put it right through voicemail, or do I take it? You know, the fact is, is that God still speaks. 
You know, God still speaks to his people. God speaks to you. God speaks to, to me. The Bible says that my sheep know my voice. Jesus said that. Jesus said that his people will know his voice. Now, how does God speak, and how did God speak to Elijah? That's a whole other conversation, but God still speaks. And when God speaks to us, God wants us to listen. But the challenge is, for most of us, at least it is for me, the challenge is that a lot of times I'm quite busy. <laughs> I'm quite busy doing good things or doing what I want to do, and when God speaks, I, I have a tendency to want to put God on hold. God, I'll, I'll take care of that, but, you know, right now I've got this to do. You know, the reality is, is that when God speaks, his expectation as God and as our Father is that we'll listen. You know, you're a dad. I'm a dad. And if you're a white, if you're a woman, you're not a dad. But if you're, but if you're a mom or a dad, you, you understand this. You know, you're, you're talking to your kids and they're doing one of these. You know what that is? Playing a video game? And you're like, hey, 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 what are you doing? Yeah, huh? You take, out the, take out the garbage. Mom says, take out the garbage. You know, I notice I put it on the mom. Mom says, take out the garbage before you go to bed. Oh, okay, I'll do that. You wake up in the morning, and guess what? Garbage never went out. <laughs> they weren't listening. You know, it, it's a human tendency to want to put off bad news or want to put off something that we should want to, that we need to do now. It's called procrastination. We, we have a tendency in our human nature to do that. And, and when we look at the scriptures and we look at the story, last week Keith talked about finishing the race and he did an incredible job. And he talked about the story of the kingdom being divided. The kingdom was torn in two. And, and this is really a challenge in our story because this is where most people check out in the Bible. You're reading the Bible, you get through Genesis, and you got this, you know, you got the beginning, and you know, there's some complicated passages in Leviticus, maybe you skip over that, and but then you get to the books of history and Judges, and those aren't too bad, and then you get to you know Joshua, that's pretty good, and, and you get to uh, you know some of the historical books, and then you get to the prophets, and it's all confusing. Like, what is this about? When did these guys because the Bible is not written chronologically. The fact is, is that the prophets ministered in about a 208-year period of Israel's history. And you've got to know a little bit about history of the Bible. If, you, if you're really going to grow as a Christian and understand what God's saying, you've got to, for yourself, you've got to learn this. I, can't, you know, I have a basic understanding, but I've got to tell you, it's, it will help you to understand how God speaks and how God works in our human experience. But these kings had prophets. There were ten northern tribes. And the reason there were ten northern tribes is because Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. You guys remember that a couple weeks ago? Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And, and God said, listen, I'm not going to tear the kingdom from you, but your son will experience a tearing, a tearing apart. Here's the deal, guys. Tearing apart of relationships. Tearing apart of marriages. Tearing apart of families is always the result of sin. That's the principle. The principle is that sin is destructive. Sin will take you farther than you ever planned and keep you longer than you ever intended. So the, 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 the kingdom was divided between ten northern tribes and two southern tribes. And that's where we find our story today. This prophet Elijah is going to a man by the name of Ahab. Ahab was a wicked king. The Bible says of all the kings of the Bible, this guy was the wickedest. He was a king of the northern ten tribes, and there were 19 over a 208-year period. There were 19 kings of the northern tribes, and all of them were bad. Everyone say bad. They were all bad. They weren't even partially good. They, were all, they all did evil in the eyes of the Lord. 
what they did is they served other gods. I mean, they had this identity of being Jewish. They had this identity of being monotheistic. They had this identity of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as their fathers. They had this identity of being a Christian nation. They had this identity of being a Christian because they walked into a church building or they were baptized as a child. They had this identity of being a good Jewish religious person. But their hearts were far from God. As a matter of fact, they had consumed themselves over the years with the worship of false gods. Now, the reason that Baal was so exciting is because Baal was this god supposedly of the sun, of the rain, of the earth, and also of fertility. And so a lot of the practices, a lot of the practices that went around Baal worship had to do with human sexuality. Homosexuality, all kinds of perversions of sexuality, every kind of human sexuality that was involved in this worship. And they would work themselves up into a frenzy. They would have child sacrifices. It was just insane. But it gratified their flesh. There was something about it that stimulated their senses. And they were pulled away by this false worship, by this worship of Baal. You know, a challenge for the people. See, they said one things with their mouth, but their hearts lived another thing. They were good people. They were good Christians. They were, you know, they were followers of Yahweh, the God of gods, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses. But their hearts were far from them. Isaiah says, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You know, it's like this. You know, they, they, they had the right message, but they lived the wrong kind of life. They had the right message. They had the right answers. If you were to give them a 10-question test about their orthodoxy and their understanding of Scripture, they were well-read in Scripture. They were way more versed in the law than you and I. They they had a great understanding of what God said, but their hearts were far from Him. It's kind of like this. We have Pastor Glenn and we have Keith, and uh, and, uh, they decide to go out and rob banks all week. They're going out robbing banks. They're just having a blast. You know, next thing you know, their pictures posted all over town. Glenn and Keith wanted for bank robbery. Then they show up here on Sunday, and Pastor Glenn's got a word from God. <laughs> he's telling jokes. He's making you laugh. He's got a great word. Then Keith comes up, and he's got a great word. And you're like, wait a second. Something's not adding up here. Right? Something's... Now, those are extreme examples, and of course, that would never happen. Amen? Amen. <laughs> fact is that that is exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens in our experience, in our walk with the Lord. The prophets were spokespeople for God. The prophets were spokespeople for God. I, I said it like this. They were God's megaphone to warn, to encourage, and to challenge the people of God to return. Because the people's heart was set on idolatry. Set on worshiping something other than than God himself. God loved his people. God loves you. God's continually wooing. God's continually calling us back to him. That was the role of the prophets. The role of the prophets was to speak God's word. There was some foretelling, you know, some prophetic events that the prophets were going to talk about. The prophets, for, you know, they, they foretold the birth of Christ. They, they foretold some things that were going to happen to the nation of Israel. But the most of their time was foretelling declaring what God's Word said to their generation. That's really what a prophet's primary role was. They were to speak the Word of God to their generation. They were hold the standard for what was right. You see, God says, I love you. God's promise was to bless His people. 
All the way back in Genesis, the promise of God was this. God said, I will make you a great nation, Abram, the father of the Jews. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will make your name great. But also, God gave a condition. God says, I want to bless you. I want to do good for you. I want to help you. I want you to be the head and not the tail. I want you to succeed in your marriage and in your family. I want you to succeed in your finances and your business. I want you to succeed, but you've got to do it my way. The law declared in Deuteronomy chapter 20, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of His commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come upon you. In this room today, in this room today, potentially, there are three kind of people. In this world, for sure, there are three kind of people. In this room today, there are Christ followers. People who, they've sold out. They're in. They're working on it. They don't have it all figured out yet. Like none of us do. Like Paul says, I've not arrived. But we are pressing on towards the mark. You know, we recognize their stuff. We're quick to repent. We're running after God. Then in this room, potentially, there's someone who just give a flying flip. I mean, I don't know if you're here today. If you are, I love you. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, but you've got to surrender to him. But there are lots of people in our culture, man. You don't have to Google too long and read too many comments on any kind of religious article that comes up in the media today to see there's a lot of people that hate God. There's a lot of people that reject God, reject monotheism. They reject Christianity, a lot of people. And now they have a form to express it any place they want, and especially on the World Wide Web. But the fact is today, God still loves them, but they've cut themselves off from God. You, you know, it doesn't really matter what you and I think. It doesn't really matter what I think. It matters what God thinks. I, I've had this thought of my mind recently, just some things that are happening in my world and thinking about my life and what God's doing in my heart. And I've had this, this overwhelming feeling at times of the brevity of life, how precious it is. I'm holding a four-week-old baby just this week that got really, really sick, and the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. No, God had mercy. Baby Martin Mandela came home. It's a miracle. We thank God for that. Amen. But I know the brevity of life. I know how quick it goes. It's here today. We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. We're like a vapor, the Bible says. You know, at the end of the day, we're going to stand before God, every one of us, and get exactly what we deserve. But there's a third kind of person. Charles, Spurs, Charles Spurgeon calls this person the wavering Christian. The wavering Christian. You know, that Christian that's kind of in the fence. You know, you want God's blessing, you want God's favor, but you want to do it your way. You still want to kind of have your little pet things that you're holding on to that God's asking you to surrender and to give to Him. You know, and, and, and this is a challenge because the fact is, is that we struggle with this. There's this struggle in our heart. There's a struggle. You see, I, uh, Elijah, he challenges the people of God. The Bible says, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you waver? If the Lord is God, follow him. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. You see, Elijah confronts his generation. He is willing to take a stand. You know, Elijah confronting Ahab, that was pretty pricey. That could have been pretty costly. The fact is, is that Ahab had already killed a bunch of prophets. 
If you read the story at the beginning of chapter 18, you'll see Obadiah is fearful to go to Ahab. He's afraid for his life. Have you ever felt that way before in the job? Somebody starts talking about Christianity or somebody starts making fun of your faith. And, man, you're just like, oh. You know, if you know if you say something, if you just try to take any kind of, even if it's a gentle stand, you'll get slapped back down and they'll start making fun of you and calling you names. And I hate, anybody ever had that experience before beside me? I, I remember one time I was in the job and, and I, you know, I was a little younger and, and I was a little more argumentative. And, and this guy kept arguing. Every day he'd come into work and arguing about Christianity. Every day he wanted to argue and argue and argue and argue. And one day he got so mad at me. He got so mad at me that he came over to me. He was a lot bigger than me. And I weighed probably 135 pounds at the time. And he came over to me and he picked me up and he just slammed me down on the ground. Right in the middle of the workplace. He was mad. And you feel that tension. Elijah was a man fully committed to the Lord his God. Um, Elijah had made a decision. He was no longer on the fence. He never was on the fence. He served God all of his life and in his generation. You know, we're living life. We, everything is going pretty good. And, and, and then God says, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long? How long will you still think that this is your hope? Maybe it's security that you find in a job, a paycheck, a certain amount of money in the bank. I mean, the fact is, in our culture, we, can, we might not have big old Baal gods that we worship, but we have things that we substitute for the presence of God. We have things that we substitute in our life for a relationship with God. Our culture, the family can become a god. I mean, so many people are not in church in our culture today because they are doing sport activities with their children. Now, we did sports activities with our kids, but we never did them on Sunday. I mean, the fact is, you've got to make a choice. Your kids are going to say, okay, mom, yeah, church is good, and we'll go when we can, but, boy, you're in football right now. You're in basketball right now. You're in all these sports right now. You know, and I'm not going to be a legalist about this thing, but what you are, the message you are sending your kids is, is that that activity is more important than being in the house of God, in the presence of God, and experiences His love and grace and a relationship to other believers in the body of Christ. That's what you're saying. And you might not verbally say that, but that's what your actions are saying. So we have these things that are taking place in our life. So God says, no fence setters. The challenge to you and I today, no fence setting. All in. You know, there's a term in poker, and I haven't played poker in a long, long time, but I remember playing poker many years ago, and I like to play poker, especially blackjack, 21, and, um, and uh, five-card draw. And in five-card draw, you play the game, and you, and, and you feel like you've got a good hand, you've got a group of people around the table, and, you know, you're trying to decide. You're all counting cards and looking to see where people are at. And, and so you feel like you've got a good hand. And every once in a while, man, maybe you get a really good hand. You say, I'm going to be all in. You take all your money and you put it all in the pot. You're going for the big one. It's going to be the big, big one. You're all in. And that's what God says. you got to be all in. You can't be on the fence. You can't be going both ways. God said, listen, you've got to be on that. Yo, I'm okay, man. Life's going pretty good. doesn't seem to be too bad right now. You can kind of be like what happened to me this week in D.C. Could you put this picture up real quick? Can you see that picture? So uh, we, we rented a car this week in D.C., and it was the first time in my life I've ever rented a car that had 11 miles on it. This car had 11 miles on it. Brand new car, right? Brand new Dodge Charger, those 40 things. Pretty fun driving around. And we were driving around the city and having a great time. And 
looked at the gas gauge, but it's, it was between a quarter tank and a half tank. Everything should be okay, right? And so I'm driving around, and the gas gauge is just right there, a quarter tank, half tank. And all of a sudden, I, I'm right by the busiest part of D.C. on a Monday morning. I'm right there at, um, where the Congress, the congressional buildings are at, and trying to make a left-hand turn onto the freeway. And all of a sudden, my car starts sputtering, and it dies. And I'm like, I mean, cars are, there are police officers. You don't, your car doesn't stall by the White House or by the, let me tell you, by the Capitol building. It doesn't happen. They don't, they don't like that. They're not real friendly with those kind of people. And I'm like panicking. I'm on the phone. I'm trying to call the, you know, the Alamo, the car dealer and cars out. I thought I was okay. I mean, the gas gauge, how could a brand new car with 11 miles have a bum gas gauge? It did. It did. I wasn't okay. I thought I was okay, but I wasn't okay. See, Elijah, this man of God, this prophet of God, he has a word from the Lord and he challenges the people. This whole, this, it, it just gets better from here. This whole thing, Elijah challenged him and the prophets of Baal, they cut themselves and they try to call down fire from heaven and he challenges them to a duel. God plus Elijah, plus 850. God plus Elijah equals the majority every time. Amen? I mean, that's all you need is God. All you need is God. That's all you need. <laughs> you don't need the backing of anyone else. You need God. I need God. And they have this confrontation, and they're on the Mount Carmel, and, you know, and the prophets are out there, and they're, they're wailing, and they're crying, and they're going all day, and they're cutting themselves, and the NLT says, uh, Elijah said, hey, what's the matter with your God? Maybe he's a little busy right now. <laughs> NLT actually says, maybe he's relieving himself in the restroom. <laughs> you know why? Because their God doesn't speak. Their God doesn't care. Their God doesn't know. Their God is deaf and mute. Their God can't answer. Because their God was made by their own hands. <laughs> their God was made by their own hands. Elijah says, okay, guys, let's line them up. We're going to do something here. We're going to get a bunch of water. You make this little sacrifice, and, and you put a bunch of water on it, you put the wood, and then you put the bull on it. But don't you light that thing? Don't you light that thing? Don't you light it? He's there praying. They're doing all this, and nothing happens. They're trying to call fire down from heaven, and nothing happens. Six hours pass. Eight hours pass. Nothing. And then it's about the time for the evening sacrifice. Mount Carmel was a significant place spiritually and militaristically. It was a place up on Mount Carmel. You could see the whole Mediterranean Sea. You could see all the armies that would come in from a surrounding area. And it was the place. Whoever controlled Mount Carmel controlled the military zone, but they also controlled the spiritual atmosphere of that environment. Because they always, in, in all cultures of the world, those two are always synced together. There's those concepts of separation of church and state. That's some kind of weird, funky idea that's been promulgated in our culture in the last hundred years. There was no concept. They all called upon their deities for power and for strength. They all did. Every culture of the world. Even to this day, they still do. Up on Mount Carmel, he says, all right, boys, we're going to get 12 stones for the 12 tribes. We're going to get 12 buckets of water. Let's get that thing soaking wet. And then he prays a prayer. They've been praying for six hours, eight hours. And Elijah just prays a simple, simple prayer. I want you to hear the words of this prayer. 
listen to what he says. He says, oh, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Look at that. Look at that. Lord, answer these people so that they'll know you're God. God, answer them today. God, show these people that the way that serve you, that the way I'm doing it is the right way. God, answer me so the hearts of these people may turn back to you. Fire! The fire of God comes, consumes the sacrifice. I'll be really transparent. I, I was preparing this message this week, just wrestling. You know, I'm, I'm just like you. I put my pants on and my shirt on and eat and do all the things that, are, you know, I just I wrestle and struggle with my own humanness and my own frailty and my own weaknesses. I was preparing this message and I was in my office and at just like this moment, I just felt the presence of God. It was like, and I just started seeing some little stuff in my life, some Little insecurities, little fears, some stuff that I just kind of, you know, I ah, wasn't all in on with God. Some areas of faith and trust. I was in my office. I just felt the presence of God. And I began to weep. <laughs> I began to weep before the Lord. God, I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. The people, when they see the fire, you see, because the fire of God always represents his spirit. It always represents his presence. And what you need and what I need in our life today is the reality of the presence of God. And the book of Acts, the Bible says that the spirit came and filled them. It was like tongues of cloven fire. The fire of God that consumes the sacrifice of our heart. And the Bible says that the people fell down and they begin to declare, the Lord, the Lord is our God and we will praise you. See, that's what happens. All of a sudden, man, God, He loves you. He's pursuing you. He's chasing you. He never lets you go. You're His child. Come on, you're His child. And there's something in your life that's out of alignment. You're something you haven't let go of. You're, you're, you're set on the fence in some area of your life. God says, I love you so much. He touches you. It's, all, it's always initiated by God. You know that? It's always your salvation was initiated by Him. Your getting free and delivered was initiated by Him. The moment that you think you did something, the moment that you think you beat the devil, you conquered that addiction. You know, you overcame that financial obstacle. The moment you think you did it, <laughs> you got a wrong idol in your life. It's the way it is. God speaks. God sends fire. The fire of his presence. And that's what God wants to do in our life today. I want you to close your eyes this morning. Oh, God. God saying to you? You know, God loves us despite our rebellion and calls us to turn back to Him so He can bless us. What are the idols in our lives today? Choose what God you're going to serve. You've got to make a choice. God loves you today. His Spirit's here. Same Pastor, there's some things in my life that I know that God I need God. I need God to send his fire 
consumed. I need God. I need Him to help me in this area of my life. There's no one looking around. This is between you and God. But I, I do want to pray with you today. I know we're running out of time in our service. I'd love to have you respond. But I'm just going to have you respond by an uplifted hand. If that's you this morning, you know you need a fresh touch of the fire of God in your life. When I count to three, can you raise your hand? One, two, three. Anyone in this room? All across this room. We're going to stand together this morning. Our worship team is going to sing. Healing. What's the song? Healing is here. Come on, they're going to turn the house lights off. We're going to take just a moment. I want you to allow the Spirit of God to minister to you. I want to allow the presence of God and His His fire to heal you, to restore you, and to make you whole. Let's worship this morning. Sickness can't stay any longer. Your perfect love is casting out fear. You are the God of all power, and it is your will that my life is healed. And sickness can stay any longer. Your perfect love is casting out fear, and you are the God of Pastor, a huge hand for that word this morning. Come on. You know, there, there were so many things that, that he said that struck out to me, but I know one thing for me, man, just understanding that the gods of this world cannot compete to the God that's in me, you know, and uh, man, I'm just walking out of here with a renewed faith going, you know what, Glenn, keep going, keep, keep, keep stretching no matter what people might say about you or your faith we're going to keep moving forward amen and uh, ours is coming forward this time you can, you can take a seat real quick and uh, i'll explain my guest you guys can come on and come over as much as you can move that back a little bit more 
And our artists are coming forward, like I just said. We're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. There are many ways you can give here at City Church. Give online at orlandocitychurch.com. You can also use the offering envelope that's right in front of you. And if you're new to City Church, what we do in our, in our offering time is we, uh, we try to kind of memorize a scripture. Uh, we kind of call it our scripture of the month. So it's Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and we want to say this thing together, and the, the, I, I've kind of heard that first service says it louder than second and third, so we're just going to see kind of how, the, I'm going to be the barometer today. Y'all with me? You ready? Here we go. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Isn't that the truth? It is more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, we are not just a church that just gives tithes and offerings. In fact, we, I would say we have one of the most serving churches in the city. Uh, We have so many people that give their time and their resources and their energy. And not only do we do it here locally, we also do it globally. And behind me is actually our mission, our missions team that's going to the Dominican Republic on Monday. And, uh, and so they are an extension of you. And we're going over to the Dominican Republic, and we're going we're gonna to do endless amounts of things. And we're going to, in fact, we're doing a Women of Valor. We're going to pour into, uh, we're going to pour into women and let them know their worth in Christ. And we're going to be feeding homeless and just doing, serving in every single way that we can. And it's just going to be an incredible time. We're partnering with an incredible missions program that's already established there. And um, it's just going to be great. So what we wanted to do was pray over them as we pray over the offering this morning. Can we do that? And let's, get, let's ask God to bless. I'm actually a part of this team. So in just a second, I'm going to come back here and be prayed for too. Um, but uh, I want to, man, let's pray that God would use this team. We've been praying. We met this last Friday. We're praying that God would just send revival to that city, that God would speak to our hearts, that, man, if it's just for one, if it's for a family, and I can't wait for you guys to hear the, the testimonies, and we'll try to put stuff on Facebook whenever we're able to, just to keep you updated. But uh, can we pray for them? Come on, let's pray for the team, and then we'll pray for the offering today, and we'll, we'll check out a video. Father, we thank you for the gift and the giver today. We thank you for every single dollar that's going into uh, the, the, your kingdom them today. Lord, we thank you that we cannot outgive you. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And Lord, today we bless this team, every single one of them. God, they've been preparing. They've been, they've been strategizing. We've been training for the last few months. We've raised thousands of dollars so that we can go and be a blessing. And Father, we speak your favor over them. Lord, we pray for hundreds. We pray for thousands of people to be changed this week as we, as we uh, dedicate a week of the gospel to you. And Father, I pray over every single one of them. I pray health over them. I pray favor over them, that God, you would use us to step out, be bold, and uh, do what you've called us to do. We bless this team in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, would you say amen? Amen. amen. You can give this morning. Pastor Kristen Hayes, the kids pastor here at City Church. And I have some friends with me today. Did you know that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others? This fall, we have the opportunity to provide 225 elementary age kids with a brand new backpack filled with school supplies. Pretty awesome, right? Yeah. Would you be willing to help? On Sunday, August 3rd, we will be taking a special offering for our backpack giveaway. It's pretty simple. $25 will give us two bags. $50 will give us four bags. $100 will give us eight bags and so on. Would you be in prayer with your entire family to see what you can give? We're asking everybody to give whatever they can give. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Bye. Bye.
Well, there you go. Our final announcement today is that we are we're having a backpack giveaway coming up in August. And August 3rd, we're going to receive that offering, just like Pastor Kirsten said. I want to tell you, uh, last year when we did this, and, and I know I've shared this, but I just want to share the heart of it again. We got together and say, how, how can we make a difference in our community? And I just thought backpacks was the last thing that we could do. I just thought we could there was something else that we could do. And by hands down, this was absolutely the felt need in this community right here. Was back, was as practical as it is, is backpacks. We're going to fill them with resources, and uh, we want you to be a part. So would you pray next few weeks as we're going to be prepared for that offering? And you can even give early if you'd like to. You can mark it on any tide check or any check that you have or, or even on our website as backpack giveaway. You just mark it there, and it'll automatically go uh, to there. So maybe, you're, maybe God's calling you and your family to raise one backpack. It could be 10 backpacks. Whatever you feel like you can do, let's do it. All right? Sound good? God bless you guys. Have a great week, okay? Thank mm-hmm. you.